Chapter 2 of Other Things Being Equal This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Other Things Being Equal by Emma Wolfe Chapter 2 This is what I call a worldly paradise. A girl with a face like dear Lady Disdain's sank into a divan placed near the conservatory. Her voice chimed in prettily with the music of a spraying fountain and the soft strains of remote stringed instruments. "'Is it a frivolous conceit?' she continued, laughing up to the man who stood beside her. "'Or do the soft light of many candles, faint music, radiant women, and courtly men satisfy your predilections so that such a place is as near heaven as this wicked world approaches?' "'You forget. Paradise was occupied by, but two. To my notion, nothing can be farther removed from Elysium than a modern drawing-room full of guests.' "'And leaving out the guests?' "'They say imagination can make a paradise of a desert.' given the necessary contingencies. A solitude of two who love? Dr. Kemp, methinks you are a romantic. You supplied the romance, Miss Gwynne. My knowledge is of the hard, matter-of-fact sort. Such as bones, I suppose. Still you seem to be interested in the soft-looking piece of humanity over by that cabinet. Yes. His expression is reminiscent of a boy's definition of a vacuum. A large space with nothing in it. Who is he? And I thought you not unknown. He's the husband of a brilliant woman, Mrs. Ames, who has written a novel. Clever? Decidedly so. It stands the test of being intoxicating and leaving a bad taste in the mouth, like dry champagne. Which is not made for women. You mean schoolgirls. There she is, that wisp of a creature listening so eagerly to that elegant youth of the terrier breed. No wonder he interests her. He is as full of information in piquant personal history as a family lawyer, and his knowledge is as much public property as a social city directory. You have studied him to advantage. Are you sure you have not stolen a leaf from him? Dr. Kemp! she exclaimed in pouting reproach. Do I appear as promiscuous as that? You may call me a blue book but spare my snobbery the opprobrious epithet of directory. There goes the fascinating young Mrs. Shirley with Purcell Burroughs and her toils. Did you catch the fine oratory of the glance she threw us? It said, Dorothy Gwynne, how dare you appropriate Dr. Kemp for ten long minutes? Hand him over, pass him around. I want him. You're only boring him, though you seem to be amusing yourself. Kemp's grave lips twitched at the corners. He was without doubt amused. "'Aren't you improvising?' he asked. A man need only offer an occasional bumper of a remark to keep the conversation from flagging, when his companion is a woman. "'No, you evidently do not know what a feminine sneer is in words. Ah, here comes the Queen of Sheba.' She broke off with a pleased smile as Ruth Levi's approached on the arm of her cousin, Louise Arnold. Singly, each would have attracted attention anywhere. Together they were doubly striking-looking. Arnold, tall and slight, carrying his head high, fair of complexion as a peachy-cheeked girl, was a peculiarly distinguished-looking man. The delicate pince-nez he wore emphasized slightly the elusive air of supercilious courtliness he always conveyed. Now, as he spoke to Ruth, who, although a tall girl, was some inches shorter than he, 
he maintained a strict perpendicular from the crown of his head to his heels only looking down with his eyes short women resented this trick of his protested that it made them stand on tiptoe to speak to him there was something almost oriental about ruth with her creamy colourless face like a magnolia blossom her dusky hair was loosely rolled from her forehead and temples her eyes were soft and brown beneath delicately pencilled brows and matched the pure oval of her face but the languorous air of southern skies was wholly wanting in the sweet sympathy of her glance and in a certain alertness about the poise of her head a knoll stopped perforce at miss gwynne's slight signal where are you hastening she asked as they turned to greet her one would think you saw your nemesis before you so oblivious were you to the beauties scattered about she looked up pertly at arnold after giving one comprehensive glance over ruth's toilet we both wish to see the orchids of which one hears he answered with pronounced french accent and idiom adding with a slight smile i did not overlook you but you were so busily contemplating other ground that it would have been cruelty to disturb you he spoke the language slowly as a stranger upon foreign ground oh yes i forgot dr kemp are you acquainted with the queen of sheba and her doughty knight louis surnamed arnold she paused a moment as the parties acknowledged the curious introduction and then broke in rather breathlessly there doctor i shall leave you with royalty do not let your republican ignorance forget her proper title mr arnold mrs merrill is beckoning to us will you come and with a naive superbly impish look at ruth she drew arnold away before he could murmur an excuse at the impertinent words the soft rich blood suffused ruth's face will you sit here a while and wait for mr arnold or shall we go and see the orchids the pleasant deep voice broke in upon her confusion and calmed her self-consciousness she raised her eyes to the dark clever face above her it was a strong rather than a handsome face from the broad sweep of the forehead above the steady scrutiny of the grey eyes to the grave lip and firm chin under the dark pointed beard strength and gentleness spoke in every line his personality bore the stamp of a letter of credit thank you said she i think i shall sit here my cousin will probably be back soon the doctor seated himself beside her miss gwynne's appellation was not inaptly chosen still he would have preferred to know her more conventional title this is a peaceful little corner he said do you notice how removed it seems from the rest of the room yes she answered meeting and disconcerting his pleasantly questioning look with one of swift resolve dr kemp i wish to tell you that my father has confided to me a joint secret your father he looked bewildered his knowledge of the queen of sheba's progenitors was vague my father yes she repeated smiling at his perplexity her name is not very common i'm jules levice's daughter he was about to exclaim no the kinship seemed ridiculous in the face of this lovely girl and the remembered picture of the little plain-faced jew what he did say was mr levice is an esteemed friend of mine he is present is he not yes have you met my mother yet the mother would probably unravel the mysterious origin of this beautiful face and this strange sweet voice whose subdued tones held an uncommon charm no but your father is diplomat enough to manage that before the evening is over 
so you know our little scheme pardon the shop which i have of a necessity brought with me this evening but have you seen any signs of illness in your mother no i have been very blind and selfish she replied somewhat bitterly for every one but me seems to have seen that something was wrong she has been very anxious to give me pleasure and i fear has been burning the candle at both ends for my light i wish i had known probably it lay just within my hand to prevent this instead of leading her on by my often expressed delight what i wish to ask you is that if you find anything serious you will tell me and allay my father's fears as much as possible please do this for me my father is not young and i i think am trustworthy she had spoken rapidly but with convincing sincerity looking her companion full in the face the doctor quietly scrutinized the earnest young face before he answered then he slightly bowed in acquiescence that is a pact he said lightly but in all probability your father's fears are exaggerated where love is great the smallest doubts are fears she quoted softly flushing the doctor had a singular impersonal habit of keeping his eyes intently bent upon the person with whom he conversed that made his companion feel that they two were exclusively alone a sensation that was slightly bewildering upon first acquaintance by and by one understood that it was merely his air of interest that evoked the feeling and so gradually got used to it as one of his features that is so he replied cheerily and i see someone is about to play mrs merrill told me we should have some music it is louise i think i know his touch your cousin he plays ruth looked at him in questioning wonder truth to say the doctor could not but betray his surprise at the idea of the cool-looking arnold in the light of a musician his doubts took instant flight after the opening chords rubinstein's melody in f played by a master hand is one long sound of divine ecstasy thrilling the listener to exquisite rapture played by louise arnold what the composer had conceived in his soul was magnificently interpreted as he finished there was not a murmur and the next minute he had dashed into a quaint tarantelle that instantly dispelled the former spell of grandeur an artist said someone standing near something more murmured kemp rising as he saw ruth do so he was about to offer her his arm when mrs merrill a gently-faced woman stepped up to them and laying her hand upon ruth's shoulder said rather hurriedly i'm sorry to trouble you doctor but mrs levi's do not be alarmed ruth dear has become somewhat hysterical and we cannot calm her will you come this way please and no one need know she is in the study my family is making itself prominent to-night said ruth with a little catch in her voice as they turned with mrs merrill through the conservatory and so across the hall i shall be here doctor if you wish anything said mrs merrill standing without as he and ruth entered and immediately shut the door after them stay there he said with quiet authority to ruth and she stood quite still where he left her mrs levi's was seated in a large easy chair with her back to the door her husband had drawn her head to his bosom there was no one else in the room and for a second not a sound till mrs levi's began to sob in a frightened manner it's nothing at all jules she cried trying to laugh and failing lamentably i-i'm only silly there dear don't talk levi's face was white as he soothingly stroked her hair oh 
the doctor stopped in front of them and laying both hands upon her shoulders motioned levi's aside hush not a word at the sound of a stern brusque voice the long quivering shriek stopped halfway be perfectly still he continued holding her firmly obey this instant as she began to whimper not a sound must i hear ruth and her father stood spellbound at the effect of the stranger's measures for a moment mrs levi's had started in a fright to scream but the deep commanding tone the powerful hands upon her shoulders the impressive unswerving eye that held hers soon began to act almost hypnotically the sobbing gradually ceased the shaking limbs slowly regained their calm and as she sank upon the cushions the strained look in her eyes melted she was feebly smiling up at the doctor in response to his own persuasive smile that gradually succeeded the gravity of his countenance that is well said he speaking soothingly as to a child and still keeping his smiling eyes upon hers now just close your eyes for a minute see i have your hand so go to sleep there was not a sound in the room ruth stood where she had been placed and mr levi's was behind the doctor his face quite colourless scarcely daring to breathe finally the faint even breathing of mrs levi's told that she slept kemp turned to mr levi's and spoke low not in a whisper which hisses but his voice was so hushed that it would not have disturbed the lightest sleeper put your hand palm up under hers i am going to withdraw my hand and retire as i do not wish to excite her she will probably open her eyes in a few moments take her home as quietly as you can you will call to-morrow whispered levi's he quietly assented now be deft the transfer was quickly made and nodding cheerfully dr kemp left the room ruth came forward five minutes later mrs levi's opened her eyes why what has happened she asked languidly you fell asleep esther replied her husband gently yes i know but why is ruth in that gown oh yes consciousness was returning to her and who was that handsome man who was here a friend of ruth he is very strong she observed pensively she lay back in her chair for a few minutes as if dreaming suddenly she started up what thoughtless people we are let us go back to the drawing-room or they will think something dreadful has happened no mamma i do not feel at all like going back stay here with father while i get our wraps before mrs levi's could demur ruth had left the room as she turned in the direction of the stairs she was rather startled by a hand laid upon her shoulder oh you louis i'm going for our wraps here they are how's my aunt she's quite herself again thanks for the wraps will you call up the carriage louis we shall go immediately and do not think of coming yourself nonsense tell your mother you have made your adieu to mrs merrill she understands the carriage is waiting a few minutes later the levices and louise arnold quietly stole away mrs levice has had an attack of hysteria nothing at all the world said and dismissed it as carelessly as most of the quiet turning points in a life history are dismissed End of chapter two